I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back. This is Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. This is episode six of this brand new program here at KSL News Radio. I'm grateful to you uh, for tuning in. Hopefully, you'll do so tomorrow and the day after. And even more so, I hope that you will invite your friends and your family, your kids, your parents to listen. Uh, I hope to have something for for all of you here. Uh, the way we put the show together is we look at all the topics uh, around the world and the nation and the state and the ones that, uh, along with the, the producers here, we feel are important, have a, a great impact on the lives and livelihoods. Uh, of Utahns, uh, really anyone, uh, that's that's fair game on the program. Today we are focused uh, uh, pretty intensely on impeachment. Right now we are in the midst of a six-hour debate. Uh, members of the Democrat Party and the Republican Party are trading uh, places, uh, uh, delivering speeches, presenting their side of the argument, and later this evening uh, there will be a vote, and the highest likelihoods is before you go to bed, uh, the President of the United States will have been impeached. Uh, and that is for some reason to celebrate and for others reason to uh, lament. Either way, it's a momentous day in United States politics. Uh, we are taking a break from that, though, right now. We have in studio Representative uh, Brian King. Uh, I'm grateful to you that you would come in and, and, and join us today. Uh, we're talking about background checks. The, the This issue as well, first, uh, thank you. Thanks for coming in. Thanks oh, for thank being you. here. Happy to be here. I'm grateful. Uh, we th- This issue of background checks has, be- has come up recently in the news. Uh, I think it was Friday or so. Uh, we or no Monday. I'm sorry. Uh, Jenny Wilson, uh, mayor of Salt Lake County, hosted a press conference and put out a press release uh, in the evening prior, uh, stating that the gun shows—that's uh, Crossroads of the West and Rocky Mountain Gun Show—as they come to town and host their events on county property, that there would not be allowed any of these private gun sales. And you, sir, in the last legislative session, introduced a piece of legislation that would uh, make that the law of the land here in Utah, at least. And the headline. Uh, reads today that you are uh, set to revive that effort in the next uh, legislative session. Right, right. We didn't really get very far with it in the last session for a variety of reasons. It came out of the bill drafter late and it really didn't have much of a chance to get to a committee and be heard there. So we're going to try and do that again. What are your what are the prospects? What do you think? Well, uh, you know, look, this polls really well in the sense that when you ask people, uh, does it make sense? Do you support background checks for everybody? before they're able to purchase a gun. I mean, the overwhelming majority of people, even when you uh, ask conservatives and Republicans and NRA members, they say, yes, it makes sense. And it does make sense. It's got a lot of just intuitive appeal to it because, you know, we license people before they get behind the wheel of a car and we recognize the importance of some fundamental training and education on that kind of a thing. And we, I think it makes sense to say, look, let's look into a person's background make sure that they're not a prohibited person, that they're not an ex-felon, that they haven't been convicted of domestic violence, 
that there isn't something else in their background that makes it so that any reasonable person would say, well, you probably shouldn't be someone who owns a gun. I think that makes sense to do that. I, uh, in full disclosure, and this is a, this is a talk show, you know, so the the loudmouth like me behind the mic, we have opinions and uh, positions you, and you? such. And <laughs> it turns out, uh, and, and so let me tell you, in full disclosure, I'm a, I'm an enthusiast. I, I'm one of the guys who's at the 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 gun show. Sure, I'll admit, even I'm one of the guys who's who's executed one of these private sale transactions. I uh, am one who doesn't like to to give up too much ground on these issues of second amendment because i think that uh in the issue of uh, the mass shootings about which we hear so often unfortunately i i put that in the mental health category yeah. i feel that's a an issue where mental health ought to be addressed first and foremost now th- the reason i say all that is uh, it comes down to motivation i think what you have just said makes perfect sense it does make uh common sounding sense uh, that individuals uh, on prohibited list ought not be in possession of firearms and this measure seems uh, like it would ensure that but what is the role of government when it comes to issues which have not yet demonstrated themselves to be of threat more specifically in the press conference with jenny wilson the other day she was asked have there been crimes committed uh following this type of transaction she was unaware sir are you aware of crimes uh committed or injury self-inflicted injury even uh, coming as a result of uh, of a privately transacted firearm. Yeah, I am. You look at the mass killings that we've had in the last, oh, two, three, four years. There are a couple of them. The one in Sutherland Springs is one, for example, where an individual was able to go in and purchase a gun. He'd been discharged from the military because of a dishonorable discharge. He had He would have been on that prohibited list. He wasn't for some reason. There was a bureaucratic screw-up where his name didn't end up on the list. And he went in and he bought a gun and then he went out and killed some folks. But look, I, I'm not, not going to sit here. I don't think any reasonable person would come and sit in front of this mic or anyplace else and talk about this and say that this is the magic elixir. This is going to take care of all gun violence. It's not. It's one piece of a big, big puzzle. And my feeling is it's so common sense. It makes so much sense that it's just a question of if, not when. We put this in place and there are going to be a certain number of mass killings or other deaths and you know, look 86 percent of the people who die from guns in utah they're suicides sure we want people who have a documented history of mental imbalance to the point that they have done something in the past and end up on a prohibited list we want to keep guns out of their hands not just because they're posing a threat to other people but because they're posing a threat to themselves potentially so if we can incrementally reduce the number of people who die or are injured from gun violence by performing uh, on a greater, more extensive basic basis, the basics of a, of a background check that, you know, I went and bought, purchased a gun a couple of years ago at Gallantson's and we went through this process of doing the background check and, I, you know, I passed and I'm a gun owner myself. I enjoy going out and shooting guns. It's fun. But I'll tell you, I, I don't want guns in the hands of people who are on that prohibited list. And I don't think any reasonable person would object to that, as you pointed out. I think uh, I think you're, you're exactly right. I think that both sides, Republican, Democrat, conservative, wherever you fall, I think that that point that you just make uh, is where everyone will find themselves in agreement. I think where the disagreement lies is uh, in in the nature of how to to pull that off. I think this addresses a hypothetical threat. Uh, I think that many conservative folks might respond to your example uh, of the dishonorable discharge uh, case, one where there was a bureaucratic failing and not a failing of the absence of law. I think there were laws in place that would have prevented the shooting you described uh, and that it was not 
in fact, the absence of, right. of, a, of a private sale prohibition. So, so if you have, I mean, take a big number. Take, a, again, hypothetically, if you have 200 incidents of uh, gun deaths or suicide that relate from guns, a certain number, and it may be smallly, it may be, it may be a dozen, it may be half a dozen people who ended up purchasing a gun from private hands without going through a background check where if they'd gone into Shields or uh, Cabela's or, or Gallinson's and purchased the gun and from a federal firearm licensee and had the background check performed, they wouldn't have passed. That's enough for me. You know, I look at that and say, well, look, there's six or eight or ten or twelve people whose lives, either themselves or somebody else's life, would have been spared. Hey, look, is this, a, again, a positive thing in, a move, in the sense that it moves us in a good direction incrementally? Yeah, I think so. One of the things that I've heard people say is, look, what part of infringe shall not be infringed in the Second Amendment don't you understand, Brian? Well, the reality is that in uh, District of Columbia versus Heller, justice, no less a justice than Justice Antonin Scalia said there is room for states and the federal government to put in place reasonable regulation of firearms. Now, the, re- the regulation at issue in that case, which was a prohibition on handguns in the District of Columbia, was deemed by the Supreme Court to be unreasonable and a violation of the Second Amendment. Fine. It doesn't mean that every state regulation is going to be unconstitutional. Sure. Uh, sir, I'm grateful to you. Let me ask you uh, real quickly uh, in terms of so I can keep current on my notes. Uh, Senate support, do you have a, a partner lined yeah, up over there yet? Good question. Um, you know, I've talked to the Speaker and I've talked to other members of the leadership team in the House for the Republicans because I recognize this isn't going to go anywhere without Republican and conservative support. I've worked on uh, gun violence reduction bills in the past and had good working relationships with not only folks across the aisle but from folks in the NRA and in the Second Amendment community. And these are good people who uh, I need to have uh, a good working relationship with. The answer to your question is right now I don't have anybody lined up who specifically and unequivocally come out and said I support your bill who has an R behind their name. But there are Republicans in the legislature who are working on other gun violence reduction bills such as the red flag bill, safe storage bill, things like that. Brian King has been our guest. Sir, thank you so much for being in here. House Representative from District 28. Thank you, Lee. Uh, next up on the program, we're going to turn back uh, to impeachment. We're going to—I've reached out to all the members of uh, the House of Representatives representing districts here in Utah. Uh, we got three out of four, and they're all coming up next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.